الله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So last time then you remember we began on this topic regarding the will or the wish of Allah and the will of Allah. The wish of Allah in the Arabic referred to as Al-Mashi'ah and the will of Allah Al-Iradah and Al-Iradah we said can be is is of two types al-irada al-kawniyah and al-irada al-shar'iyah al-irada al-kawniyah the creational sense of the will of Allah that refers to what that is the same as al-mashi'ah and that is basically ma sha'allahu kan وَمَا لَمْ يَشَأْ لَمْ يَكُنْ Whatever Allah wills, is. And whatever Allah does not will, then it is not. And then الْإِرَادَةَ الشَّرْعِيَّةَ That referred to, that is equivalent to what Allah loves. So the legislative will of Allah. So those topics we discussed last time, moving on from there then, moving on from that basis that you should have revised and should be clear about now, the Shaykh goes on to say, <coughs> فَإِذَا قَالَ قَائِلْ If a person was to say to you, هَلْ أَرَادَ اللَّهُ الْمَعَاصِي فِي الْإِرَادَةِ الْكَوْنِيَّةِ has Allah or did Allah will for sins to occur in al-irada al-kawniyyah, in the creational sense of the will of Allah? Then has Allah willed for sins to occur in that sense? Yes or no? You said no? Yes. So in that case, yes. Al-irada al-kawniyyah. That is the creational sense of the will of Allah. Everything that Allah wills occurs and whatever Allah does not will does not occur. So sins that occur, then yes, in the creational sense of the will of Allah, then they have been willed. They have been willed. Secondly though, with regards to al-iradah al-shari'iyah, that was in regards to al-iradah al-kawniyah, that sins are willed. In terms of now al-iradah al-shari'iyah, وَهِيَ الَّتِي تَتَعَلَّقُ بِمَا And this type of the will of Allah relates to what Allah has legislated. And of course, everything Allah legislates upon us, Allah loves. فَإِنَّهَا بِمَعْنَى الْمَحَبَّةِ فَتَتَعَلَّقُ بِمَا يُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ سَوَاءً وَقَعَ أَمْ لَمْ يَقَعَ So in this sense now, the legislative will of Allah, al-irada, al-shari'iyya, then it is all of that which Allah loves. Whether it actually occurs or not, whether it actually takes place or not, تَتَعَلَّقُوا بِمَا يُحِبُّهُ سَوَاءً وَقَعَ أَمْ لَمْ يَقَعَ It is connected to what Allah loves, whether it occurs or not. 
Ala hadha, based upon this then, al-iman wal-amal salih iman and righteous actions min muradillahi shar'an. They are what Allah wants legislatively. Wal-kufr wa-amalu sayyiat laysa muradan lillahi shar'an. As for disbelief and wrongdoing and sins, they are not what Allah wants in the legislative sense. لِأَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ Because of course Allah does not love sins and kufr and wrongdoing. فَصَارَ هُنَاكَ فَرْقٌ بَيْنَ الْإِرَادَةِ الْكَوْنِيَّةِ وَالْإِرَادَةِ الشَّرْعِيَّةِ Therefore there is a clear difference between the will of Allah in the creational sense of things, the decree, on the whole, and the will of Allah in terms of the legislative sense. There is a difference between the two. The will of Allah creationally, which is called al-irada, al-kawniyyah, that is whatever Allah wills it occurs. And it doesn't have to be that which Allah loves directly. And we'll get to that discussion in a moment. The second type, al-irada, <coughs> al-irada, al-shari'iyya, legislative will of Allah, what Allah loves, but all of that may not be what Allah actually decrees to occur. Not all of that occurs. So we'll get into more details. It become clearer as we move along. So now then, if a person was to say, does Allah want sins? Because clearly they are decreed to occur. Clearly they are decreed to occur in the creational sense of the will of Allah. So if a person was to come along and say, so does Allah want sins to happen? So then what do you say? What do you say? So you can answer in regards to the two types of the will of Allah. Legislatively, al-irada, al-shari'iyya. Then of course Allah does not love sins and wrongdoing and kufr. But in terms of the creational, the decree, the irada, kawniyya. Allah does will and allow sins to occur. The question is then obviously going to be, why does Allah allow sins to occur if it is not what Allah loves? Why do things occur that are not in line with what Allah loves in the legislative sense? Why would Allah allow that to occur and will that to occur in the creational sense if it is not in line with the legislative will of Allah? Why does that occur? And that is the type of discussion that is about to come up now. In fact, right now. إِذَا كَانَتِ الْمَعَاصِي غَيْرْ مُرَادَةِ لِلَّهِ شَرْعًا فَكَيْفَ يُرِيدُهَا قَدَرًا if sinning is not wanted by Allah in the legislative will, that is not what Allah loves, sinning, so then why does Allah will it in the creational sense to occur? The question is clear and obvious. So now the answer. Or in fact, before the answer, the questioner goes on to say, هَلْ أَحَدٌ أَجْبَرَهُ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُرِيدَ مَا لَا يُحِبُّ وَمَا لَا يَرْضَىٰ Is it the case that anybody forces or compels Allah to will something that he doesn't love? Why would Allah will this in the creational sense if he doesn't love sinning in the legislative sense? Is anybody compelling Allah to 
allow that to happen when he doesn't love it in the legislative sense? So how do we answer that? The answer is, مَا يَكْرَهُهُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ إِذَا أَرَادَهُ فَهُوَ مُرَادٌ لِغَيْرِهِ لَا لِذَاتِهِ That what Allah hates, sinning, wrongdoing, kufr, but wills it in the creational sense and therefore it does occur and take place, it is because those things, those sins and kufr and wrongdoing that are not loved by Allah in the Islamic sense, the legislative sense, they are allowed to occur for a secondary purpose that is beloved to Allah in the basic explanation. They themselves are not beloved to Allah. Kufr, sinning, wrongdoing, that is not beloved to Allah. That is not legislatively beloved. However, there are secondary aspects that emerge from those things that are beloved to Allah. And those secondary aspects that emerge from those sins and wrongs only emerge, they only appear from those sins and wrongs. So, the meaning of that, for example, now, Allah loves that if we make a mistake, we repent. But if the concept of making mistakes never existed, then there would be no concept of us ever repenting. So the sin is not beloved to Allah, but Allah wills it to occur creationally as a test upon us all to see who will then return and repent and seek forgiveness. And that is beloved to Allah in the legislative sense. So the purpose basically here is to say that no sinning and wrongs, shirk and kufr and all of the wrongs, they are not beloved to Allah. But what arises from them or can arise from them, then those consequences and those uh, what arises and emerges and is produced from them is beloved to Allah in terms of a person repenting, seeking forgiveness, returning back to Allah, making dua, etc. Those aspects arise from that sin or that wrong having occurred in the first place. If there was no will of Allah allowing these to occur, Allah didn't will any sins to occur. Allah didn't will any wrongs to occur. Therefore, everybody would be a mu'min perfect upon righteousness and then there is no test left. The whole purpose of this existence is that it is a test. الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا The one who created the death and the life to test you. Which of you will be the best in action? So now it's starting to become clearer why sins Allah wills them to occur in the creational sense. Why wronging any type of wrongs, they are willed, allowed in the creational sense. Because that is what then brings about the very test we are in. Who will then emerge from those wrongs in repentance and seeking forgiveness? And who will not? Now the test will be fulfilled upon the people. So now it's that end result that does and is beloved to Allah. Those who do emerge as repentant, they do emerge as seeking forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. They make their tawbah. That is beloved to Allah now. And that has served the purpose of 
the test upon us. If no sins were willed, no wronging was willed, none of that was willed in the creational sense, then there is no test left. Everybody is a believer, everybody is upon righteousness, there is no wrong occurring. No repentance from anybody, no test upon anybody. So now if somebody says, well then in that case, if Allah doesn't love sins in the legislative will, then why would in the creational will Allah decree them to occur? Then that is one brief opening answer to it. Because that is what then creates the test upon us. From those sins and wrongs emerge consequences or aspects that are beloved to Allah which would not otherwise emerge. Seeking forgiveness, tawbah, etc. wouldn't exist if sinning and falling into wrong didn't exist in the first place. So, and that is what Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned also, that if somebody says to you, why does Allah decree sins to occur then? Why and how would Allah allow and decree sins to occur if Allah doesn't love it in the legislative will? It is for the purpose of it being a test, for the purpose of seeing who, after committing a sin, will emerge repentant. Who will come out of that sin seeking forgiveness? That is where the test arises upon the people. Hence Allah wills that to occur in the creational sense. Allah doesn't love it in essence. Sinning, Allah doesn't love that. But what comes out of it that a servant returns back to Allah, repents, seeks forgiveness, those aspects are beloved. So, in a nutshell, you could say sinning and all these things, not beloved to Allah in the legislative uh, will. However, what emerges from them is beloved to Allah in seeking forgiveness, tawbah, etc. Therefore, sins are not wanted by Allah in the legislative sense. They are not wanted by Allah. But it is the secondary aspects that arise from them that is wanted. The secondary aspect of it is wanted. That a person then seeks forgiveness after the sin. Returns back to Allah, makes tawbah. That is what is legislatively wanted of a person. So, and they give an example. The Sheikh gave an example. Um, ah, there was an example somewhere he mentions about a, pers- <coughs> a person whose son, for example, has some medical condition. And this medical condition requires the surgeon to open up the chest of that child to do some surgery. The act of cutting open your child's body. And it's simple. They have knives. Nothing special. A surgeon has his knives, has his blades, and they cut you open. To cut open the body of your son. That as an act in of itself. Beloved to the father, beloved to the mother or not. They want their son to be cut, literally cut open with a knife and a blade. Cut open and then they put the, the, they have their medical terms for it, I'm sure you'll know. They put their metal pieces and rods and everything else and they open up the body. And the body is stuck there open like a car, the engine stuck there open on the rods and the spanners and everything else. Is that scene and that act to open up the body and stick in the, the rods and everything else, that's something beloved, you want that action to occur to your child? No. But you know that the surgeons have told you he's got a tumor in there. We have to remove the tumor. Once we remove it, that's it. Inshallah ta'ala, he'll be good after that. What emerges from this action that you don't desire is of something that you do desire. The cure for your son's problem, for your child's problem, is that you have to witness this. And in fact, the sheikh, when he gives the example somewhere, he says, the body of your child will be opened up. And if you're watching that surgery, you will see the insides of your child. You'll see the intestines of your child. 
You want to see that? You want to see his body opened up, split up like that as an action? Of course not. But it's what emerges from that action, what is produced from that action, what you desire. That's what you desire. You want cure for your son. You want cure for your child. And the only way is to go through this way. To go through ripping open the body, ripping open the skin, ripping open other parts, and then pulling out the tumor. And then that consequence is he's cured. So the action itself, cutting up your child, not beloved to you. But it's what results from that which is beloved to you. And that's the type of example the Shaykh gives. Sinning isn't beloved to Allah. Kufr isn't beloved to Allah. But it's what arises out of it. That's what Allah is testing you upon. And that is what Allah loves from the ones who arise out of it. Repenting, seeking forgiveness, leaving behind that shirk and kufr and sinning and returning to Islam or uh, returning back to the straight path. So you see, if somebody says, why does Allah will sins to occur and kufr to occur if Allah doesn't love it legislatively? We say, no problem. You're right. Allah doesn't love these things legislatively. But Allah decrees them and allows them in the creational will because of what arises from them. The test that arises in them. And the ones who come out repenting and seeking forgiveness, that is what's beloved to Allah. So that is what's mentioned. Shaykh Al-Thaymin, he says here, Muradan uh, So those sins, etc., they are not wanted and loved by Allah, but it is the secondary aspect that arises from them that is wanted. So sinning is not beloved to Allah in of itself, but what arises from it is beloved to Allah. So sinning and kufr and these things are willed by Allah and wanted for the secondary purpose, not them themselves. Allah doesn't want sins, but it's the secondary thing that arises out of it that Allah wants. هو يكره الكفر ويكره المعاصي لكنه يريدها Allah hates kufr and sins, but he does want them. Not for them themselves, but for the secondary thing that arises from them. Because of the goodness that is then built upon or arises from those actions of sinning in the first place. So sinning, etc. is obviously hated and disliked to Allah from the angle of what they are in of themselves, sins and wrongs. But beloved to Allah from the other angle of what arises from them, the seeking of forgiveness, making tawbah, etc. لأنه لولا الكفر ولولا المعاصي ما عرف الإيمان ولا عرف الكفر if it wasn't for sinning and kufr and these wrongs, then there would be no test and the opposites would not be clarified. Everybody would be upon iman then, no test left. Everybody upon righteous actions, no test left. What is the test for us in this world in that case? If every single one is upon absolute iman, absolute righteousness, no test then. وَلَوْ كَانَ النَّاسُ كُلُّهُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ وَكُلُّهُمْ يَعْمَلُ الْعَمَلَ الصَّالِحِ if all of the people were upon righteousness, then there wouldn't be any distinction between the people. And the importance and the weight of righteous actions wouldn't be recognized then. If everybody was upon that and everybody was going to paradise, the value of something, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan once mentioned, the value of something is only truly recognized when you understand the opposite and experience the opposite of it. So he said the value, for example, 
Sheikh Al-Fawzan, he mentioned the value of food, the value of the food you eat, you will only truly recognize that value and truly appreciate that food if you have properly experienced hunger. A person who's never been in that poverty or hunger will not give as much value to his meal when he sits down compared to a person who has experienced the, the harshness of that poverty and hunger. The same the Sheikh went on to say, a person will only value light if he has found himself trapped in darkness. If you were physically, physically you were trapped in darkness, then after that you will value light more. A person who is trapped in a cave, trapped in a cave for a week, now when he comes out, he will value light far more than a person who every day walks into the light doesn't even think about it. And there were some of the examples he gave. Uh, maybe clothing, a person who does not have clothing, then he values the clothing, the one who does not have a home. When he gets a home, he will value that home more. So when a person has experienced the opposite, that's when the true value of the other side becomes clear. So he mentions that as a reasoning here too, the true value of righteous actions, the true value and worth of the righteousness and the good deeds is recognized when you put it in relation to the sinning and the wrongs and the desires that you are being pulled to, yet you are not falling into them. You're upon righteousness, now you recognize the value of this righteousness. وَلِهَذَا يَقُولُونَ And that's why they say in Arabic, وَبِضِدِّهَا تَتَبَيَّنُ الْأَشْيَاءِ Via the opposites, things become clear. Something becomes clear if you recognize the opposite of it. So imagine somebody doesn't know what the meaning of the word hot is. A person doesn't know what the meaning of the word hot is. But he knows what the meaning of the word cold is. Foreigner, you're teaching him English. So he knows what cold means, but he doesn't know the word hot. So you say to him, the opposite of cold. What is the opposite of cold? That's cold, what's the opposite? So now he recognizes and he understands, therefore that's referring to heat. Something warm, something hot. Via the opposite, you can clarify something. So the Shaykh says, If there was no kufr, then there would be no concept of jihad. How would you implement and perform the concept of jihad if everybody is a mu'min Muslim? Doesn't exist then. Enjoining the good and forbidding the evil would be a non-concept. It wouldn't be a concept that exists if there was no sinning and wronging willed. There would be no concept of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. Everybody would be upon good and there would be no evil. لِأَنَّ النَّاسِ كُلَّهُمْ عَلَىٰ فَتَفُوتُ مَصَالِحُ كَثِيرَةٌ إِذَا لَمْ تَقَعْ هَذِي الْمَعَاصِيَ الَّتِي يَكْرَهُهَا اللَّهِ شَرْعًا وَيُرِيدُهَا قَدْرًا وَكَوْنًا So if Allah didn't will these sins and wrongs to occur from people, and of course when they occur from people, Allah has given them the choice and they make that choice to do the wrongs. We've discussed that section already. Not to misunderstand that Allah enforces wrongs to occur upon a person, then that person isn't accountable. Allah gives the choice, but people there are out there who choose that sinning, and Allah knows they're going to choose that sinning when they're given that choice. So Allah allows that and wills that wronging and sinning to occur because of what? The consequences and the, what arises and emerges from all of that. There is a hadith which uh, emphasizes this point 
حديث قدسي ما ترددت عن شيء أنا فاعله ترددي عن نفس المؤمن يكره الموت وأنا أكره مساءته The meaning of this narration the shahid as they say is that a person doesn't love to die a person doesn't love to die it's in our nature everybody wants to live it is not something that a person desires I want to die however Allah knows that of course and the way it is every soul shall taste death so now a person doesn't desire death but Allah will cause that to occur upon him even though the person doesn't desire it because what comes from it then will be for the believers better than this life so even though the actual death when you're here now you want to stay alive nobody wants death but it comes and Allah will decree it because of the consequence afterwards that it comes to and leads to for the believers the far greater rewards of paradise over this world so the point the sheikh says the conclusion here الحاصل أن المعاصي مكروها لله من وجه لكنها محبوبة إليه من وجه that sinning is hated by Allah from one angle but wanted from another angle hated by Allah from the angle of sins as sins of course Allah hates sins and kufr and wrong as what they are in of themselves, disobedience to Allah. But He wants them and wills them from the angle of the secondary aspects that arise from them, the test upon mankind, those who then repent and seek forgiveness. That is what's beloved, the ones who repent and seek forgiveness, etc. <coughs> Another example that Shaykh Al-Thaymeen gives, الجذب والقحط drought and famine الجذب أن الأرض لا تنبت that the earth does not bring forth its vegetation a famine والقحط أن السماء لا تنبر that the, the uh, skies do not bring forth the rain a drought so when you have a famine and a drought and hof fear upon people people don't have any security where they live Allah doesn't love these types of things upon his servants Allah doesn't love to put his servants into famine and put them into drought and put them into fear but Allah wills those things to occur in the creational sense. When they say to you, why you, you people believe in God, as they say, then why does God allow famine and war and killing and a drought and all of this hardship upon the people across the world? Then here is the discussion. Allah doesn't love any of those things. Doesn't love to put His servants into drought or famine, etc. However, it is the secondary points that arise from that which is beloved to Allah. The benefits that arise from that, from those situations, testing the patience of His servants, who will be patient in those times of difficulty, removing the sins from them as they are patient in those times of difficulty. Various things that arise when a servant goes through ibtila, when a servant goes through tests and trials, and that is why it's mentioned, inna ashadda nasi bala'an, or ibtila'an al-anbiya, thumma al-amthal fal-amthal. The most tested of the people are the prophets, then those who are most like them, then those who are most like them. They receive those greatest of tests. So here we explain that it's the purpose of, or there is these two wills of Allah. Legislative, a shari'iyah, 
and creational al-kawniyyah. In the legislative sense, Allah does not love that we sin or does not love to put us into hardship. However, creationally, Allah decrees and wills, yes, for those things to occur. Because of what arises from them at a secondary level, that is what Allah wants from those things. Allah doesn't want sins, but what arises and the consequences from that. The forgiveness they will seek, the patience the servants will show during the times of drought and famine, etc. Who will remain obedient to Allah? Who will fall away and say, my dua is not being answered, famine, drought? It's a test and that's the whole point of this world. Allah said, Allah Ta'ala, ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر بما كسبت أيدي الناس ليذيقهم بعض الذي عملوا لعلهم يرجعون وقوله ولنبلونكم بشيء من الخوف والجوع ونقص من الأموال والثمرات وبشر الصابرين لا that's a different ayah There are two ayat though, so I got the, the ayat that I was thinking is the other one, and this is the one that is the other one. وَلَنَبَلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعُ نَقْسِ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنْفُسِ وَثَمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ That's like on one occasion, there was a teacher giving a lesson and he quoted an ayah. He quoted an ayah, which was almost identical to another ayah in the Qur'an with one word difference. So one of the students, he, his mind went to the other ayah straight away as soon as he heard it. So he corrected the teacher straight away. Obviously on that occasion the teacher had intended another ayah, which was almost identical. So then that student was very casually refuted in front of the whole class. And uh, I think he stayed quiet for quite some time after that. So here, This now in the ayah, Allah says, we will test them, the people. We will test them with fear, meaning that you don't live in security. There's fear upon you of attack, of killing, of this, of that. Jur, hunger, poverty. نَقْسِمْ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ Deficiency and taking away from your wealth, poverty. وَالْأَنفُسِ الْأَنفُسِ meaning here, yourselves in your lives. وَالْثَمَرَاتِ The fruits, the food. وَبَشِّرَ الصَّابِرِينَ And give glad tidings to the patient ones. So Allah tells us He will test us in all of these different things in this life. But all of these tests, they are not necessarily punishment upon us that Allah gives us a deficiency in security or that Allah gives us a deficiency in food a deficiency in wealth that does not necessitate punishment upon us if we find ourselves in those situations however it indicates or it could indicate that it is things that Allah does not want for his servants they are not beloved legislatively that Allah puts you in a state of extreme hunger or extreme poverty, etc. They are not loved by Allah legislatively. However, they are done for the secondary masalih that arise from them. Who will be patient? Glad tidings to those who are patient. So that is a test upon us, and it is what we have earned with our own hands. This corruption that appears upon the land and upon the, uh, uh, upon the waters, upon the lands and the oceans, corruption that we have earned with our own hands, tests and trials upon us. So that we return back to Allah when this corruption and these tests and trials occur upon us. لِنَرْجِعِ إِلَى اللَّهِ لَكِنِ الَّذِي فِي سُورَةِ الْبَقَرَةِ اِبْتِلَاءِ قَدْ يَبْتَلِ اللَّهِ 
المؤمن وهو لم يعمل عملا سيئا A believer may be tested and he's never done anything wrong. A believer who's not done anything wrong, but he's tested with these types of difficulties. Can occur. He hasn't done anything bad to uh, create this situation or to bring about this and gain this for himself. لكن يبتليه من أجل أن ينال درجة صابرين. But a believer may be tested with these things not because of what he's earned for himself in that wrong he's done. He hasn't done anything, but he's still tested as a means of raising him in rank, raising him in level. When at the time of this test emerging upon him, he then remains firm upon iman. with his trust in Allah and asks Allah, repents and seeks forgiveness generally, seeks forgiveness generally for his shortcomings, returns back to Allah, makes dua, supplicates, remains patient. So as a consequence of that goodness he shows at the time of the trial, it becomes a means of raising him in rank. فالمؤمن قد يبتلي الله قد يبتلي الله المؤمن وهو لم يعمل عملا صيئا ولم يكسب عملا سيئا يخطئ ويرجع إلى الله في التوبة لكن يبتليه من أجل أن ينال درجة الصابرين ولهذا قال وبشر الصابرين الذين إذا أصابتهم مصيبة قالوا إنا لله وإنا إليه راجعون أولئك عليهم صلوات من ربهم ورحمة وأولئك هم المهتدون Those who say the glad tidings to the patient ones Those whom, when a calamity befalls them, they say, indeed, to Allah we belong and to Him we will return. They are the ones who have those prayers upon them from their Lord and the mercy, and they are the rightly guided ones. As a side point, This is a statement that is often said at the time of the death of someone, is it permissible to say this statement if a kafir dies? Silence. Is it permissible to say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un if a kafir dies? Huh? It's haq, we know it's haq, it's the Quran. But can you say it if a kafir dies? You say, Inna lillahi wa inna ila raji'un for a kafir? I'm talking about a kafir. A kafir dies. Can you say when you hear about the death of a kafir, hear about the death of one of the neighbors or something, say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Allowed or not for a kafir? Not allowed? <coughs> Irrelevant. Kafir. Family member, non-family member, a kafir. Can you say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un? No? Depends, what does it depend on? <laughs> so these are, these are, mashallah, conditions that we've never heard of anywhere, but let's see. So if he was a neighbor and you never gave him da'wah, then you have to say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Detailed answer. Anything else? Kufar are going to return to Allah as well, so you can say it for them too? No, no, we're saying in the example of death. You're right, generally, yes. But in the example of death, if a kafir dies, can you say this as well or not? So one, one answer here is, even the kufar are going to return to Allah. So the statement is correct that indeed to Allah we belong and we will return to Him. That is one answer here. Others want to say no. Who wants to say no? You can't say it for the kuffar. Of course, nobody's going to say anything. So, Sheikh bin Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, it is allowed to be said upon hearing the news of a kafir's death because of that justification. 
because this statement is simply saying inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un to Allah we belong and to him we will return the kafir belongs to Allah yes to him he will return yes so in the general sense the statement is correct even for a kafir belongs to Allah and is returning to Allah so in the general sense as Sheikh bin Baz said there's no issue in making that statement upon hearing the news of a kafir it is true the kafir belongs to Allah and he's returning to Allah the only difference will be the return of a mu'min and the return of the kafir is going to be a huge difference between the two returns however he will return to Allah also then the sheikh says conclusion again after all that section now what occurs in terms of sins is wanted by Allah, willed by Allah in the creational sense, al-irada, al-kawniyyah, the mashi'ah. However, it is not willed and wanted by Allah in the legislative sense, al-shari'iyyah. But despite that, despite not being beloved to Allah in the shari'i sense, Allah decreed it and willed it in the creational sense. Because of what arises from those sins and wrongs, what occurs and emerges and is produced from those sins and wrongs. That is the conclusion up to that section ونظير ذلك في الشيء المحسوس and here's the example the sheikh gives فلو كان لك ولد فقال لطباء إنه لا بد من كيه بالنار فإنك توافق على هذا وتمسك بولدك ليكويه الطبيب وأنت كاره أن يكوى ولدك بالنار لكن تحب لما يترتب عليه من المصالح It gives the example of cauterization Cauterization that they would use and even now in modern medicine they use it in various ways where you have a hot rod in the olden days a boiling hot rod, a metal rod end and often they would use it to seal up wounds uh, and maybe use it for other purposes medicinally Nowadays, same thing, they do it. They use certain lasers and things, heat lasers in medicine to uh, close up wounds or whatever they do. So that action obviously is going to be painful. It's going to be painful to look at. It's a, an action that in of itself you don't want, especially in the olden days, the hot rod, hot metal boiling, glowing orange that you get out, the metal from the fire glowing hot and then you put it on the skin that is not something beloved but you would allow it because of the good consequence that's gonna arise out of it he's bleeding to death you need to burn that cauterization on it cauterize the wound to stop the bleeding that's gonna cause a great degree of pain bleeding wound and you're gonna put that hot boiling glowing orange rod onto it but then afterwards the wound is sealed you're no longer bleeding to death, you've survived and you live. So the consequence is what you want, and that's what's beloved, not the action itself, which is disliked by you. Similarly here, the example about the surgeries mentioned by the Shaykh. And then the Shaykh says, and therefore, similarly, the sinning and the kufr, it is, uh, it is something willed but hated. Willed creationally, but Allah hates the sins themselves. But it is because of ما يترتب عليه من المصالح العظيمة يريده الله عز وجل لهذا لا لأنه يحبه. It is because of the consequences, the test, and what arises from it that Allah allows those things, not because He loves it. Normally, people say, and it's a habit that I'm aware of, that often, on purpose too. I repeat a point about a hundred times per lesson so that everybody is supposed to go away not forgetting it. But here, all of these repetitions have been from the Sheikh himself. 
He's repeated that point several times now as you've been going through in the space of four pages so that you properly grasp that point. Allah does not love sins and wrongs and these types of things. But Allah wills them, even though He doesn't love them, because of the secondary aspect, the secondary part that arises from them. So the secondary aspect is beloved to Allah, the seeking of forgiveness, making tawbah, and that's why Allah allows these sins and drought and those things to occur as a test upon us all. And how we emerge from that and we are repentant and obedient, then that is what Allah loves. So it's the secondary things that Allah loves and therefore allows and wills these primary things to occur that are not beloved to Allah as a test. For if those things were not decreed, kufr sinning, then there would be no test in the first place upon us. There would be no test. Everybody a believer, everybody upon iman. So then, we can now conclude. What are the differences overall? Al-farq bain al-iradatayn ash-ar'iyyah wal-kawniyyah. The differences between the two types of will. Qulna al-farq baynahuma min wajhain. The Shaykh says there were two angles, two types of differences between the will of Allah creationally, al-kawniyyah, and the will of Allah legislatively, ash-ar'iyyah. الوجه الأول الإرادة الكونية لا بد فيها من وقوع المراد. In the creational will of Allah, whatever Allah wills, then it will absolutely occur. فإذا أراد الله شيئا كونا وقع ولا بد. If Allah wants something creationally, then it will absolutely occur. والإرادة الشرعية لا يلزم منها وقوع المراد يعني قد يقع وقد لا يقع As for the legislative will of Allah what Allah loves and that is basically all of the legislation then that may occur and it may not occur Some people whom Allah has given that choice now as the test may not do that So what Allah loves the legislative sense it does not necessitate that it occurs everywhere upon everyone. It may occur, it may not occur. A person chooses kufr all his life, then it has not occurred in him. So the legislative type, it may, it may not occur. It's not necessitated that it occurs everywhere all the time. Allah loves, for example, iman. Allah loves iman. But has that occurred absolutely in every single person then? No. In the creational sense, if Allah decrees that there's going to be a famine, then there is a famine. Allah decrees there's going to be this, that, then it occurs. Legislatively, Allah decrees or loves something, iman, righteousness, obedience. It doesn't necessitate, it always occurs from the people. Uh, secondly, أَمَّا الْإِرَادَةِ نعم الْوَجْهُ الثَّانِي أن الإرادة الشرعية لا تكون إلا فيما يحبه الله والإرادة الكونية تكون فيما يحبه وفيما يكرهه. The creation, the legislative will of Allah is equivalent to what Allah loves. That is what Allah loves, and nothing comes into the legislative will of Allah except that it is something Allah loves. Whereas the creational one, like we've said now a million times, it may not necessarily be something that Allah loves, but it's the after effects, the secondary things that are beloved to Allah. So the Shaykh says the sins that occur from people, they are not wanted by Allah in the legislative sense. They occur for another reason. Because Allah doesn't love them legislatively. They occur as the test and they occur as the, uh, uh, the point of the secondary things that arise from them.
Then, just to round off that section there, it is just like what the, uh, the examples we gave last, last time. If we were to say, لَوْ قَدَّرْنَا كُفْرَهُ If we were to say that a person became a kafir, a mu'min, generally anything, like we gave the example of Abu Bakr. If we were to say that Abu Bakr, uh, kufr, he fell into kufr. Did that actually occur? No. So therefore, the creational will of Allah definitely did not exist there because if it did, then absolutely it would have occurred. So that will isn't there. Legislatively, does Allah love that anyway? No. So that's an example of where neither will is present. A hypothetical example where neither will is present. Neither did Allah love it legislatively, kufr. Neither did Allah uh, creationally decree it or will it. So Abu Bakr died as a mu'min. Uh, the other example was the kufr of Abu Lahab. So does Allah love that a person dies upon kufr? No. So the legislative will isn't in practice here. But creationally did Allah will that to occur? Yes. So that will is present there. One of the two is present in the example of Abu Lahab dying as a kafir. The example of Abu Bakr dying as a mu'min. Radiyallahu anhu. True or false he did or not? Therefore the creational will was present. Legislatively does Allah love that a person dies upon iman? The legislative will was present. And then the last example we need is when the legislative will is present but the creational will is not. Abu Lahab dying as a mu'min. Is that beloved to Allah? Absolutely. Allah loves iman. Legislatively, yes. Creationally, was that will? No. So that's an example of only the legislative will being present. That's where we'll round off on today then. I think so far, alhamdulillah, doing good. It's clear. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll carry on. There's more to come yet. In fact, there's a lot more to come yet. Uh, we'll carry on inshallah ta'ala next week after the Isha prayer as usual now for the whole of winter. Uh, round off on that for tonight. Oh, uh, we'll, khalas, we'll do this next time. Is there any other questions or anything else? Um, regarding when you say that the, the maslaha that arises from sin, it, does that have to necessarily be a maslaha for that person? The person who committed the sin, there may, no, may not be a maslaha for that person. Is that correct to say that, that the maslaha could be just the general existence of sins? It can be said because the fact that the possibility is there for him to repent and to retract that's the maslaha that exists should he choose to go upon that path so I don't know if you can say that because if you say that because then then it would indicate that for certain people things are occurring and there is no maslaha in it so then it's like saying Allah has decreed something bad upon a person without any secondary goodness coming from it. Because that's what I'm sorry, the, the, mm. sec, the, the goodness that's, that's there. Mm. I'm just, I'm mentioning no, what I'm no. to mm. The goodness that's there is that the general existence of Masiya, not for any specific individual, the general fact that Masiya exists. Yeah, yeah. So that you can... Yeah, you could, you could think so, of it that so way. So that Masiya that he's done is part of the general Masiya that exists, mm. which mm. has a secondary benefit. Yeah. In, but the in, individual... Him commits, and the same for Masalih. The Maslaha exists generally. As yeah. Some may take it, some don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But a person that, uh, that drinks Khamar, him drinking that Khamar may have no Maslaha for him whatsoever in the sense that he doesn't. Yeah, but you, then you have to phrase it upon the way that we did before, that upon his choice, yeah, yeah, then he course, never yeah, took yeah. the Maslaha. To say that, that okay. rather than to say there's no Maslaha for him, because then that may return back to saying Allah decreed this upon him with no Maslaha for him. Okay. So he, he, he chose not to take up the Maslaha. He, he chose yeah. his path of evil and sinning. The maslaha was there for him. The fact that he's committed sin and wrong, the fact that he's upon sh uh, kufr, the maslaha was there for him to turn to Islam and to repent and be saved. Yeah. So I think it's better to say that he upon the issue of choice. Yeah.